Welcome back to another episode of the OHL Podcast. He is Dan Mahar. I am Mike Farwell. You'll find Dan on Twitter at Tim Wallach. Does Tim Wallach know you stole his name for a Twitter handle, just out of curiosity? I was hoping for a payday there, really. i got to be honest. Not It hasn't happened. I've, I've heard him say the odd time that he's he's you know has no use for social media. So I can just uh, steal his honor, I guess, if you will. So For all you youngins, Tim Wallach used to play for a team called the Montreal Expos. They were a major league baseball team. Actually, people probably remember that because the rumors, and I'd like the rumors to come true, Dan. The Montreal Expos should be back in the Major League Baseball simply because they've got a lot of dead weight franchise-wise right now, don't they? I think it's like 20, of, 20 21 of the franchises right now are absolute also-rans every year and not even really trying to compete. And it's really sad. And that's that's why I use the Twitter handle I do. It's a, it's a nod to my childhood teams of Tim Wallach and Tim Raines and Larry Walker. And they, they had some players and some excitement there. Well, I, I was going to ask, why Wallach over Gary Carter or Tim Raines or Andres Scalaraga? Come on. Well, a lot of those guys are more uh, social media savvy, so they got their own handles already. So I had, I had to find the one who was sleeping on the job. But no, I, truth be told, I was just a big big Tim Wallach fan. I thought there was a modest, classy guy who did everything kind of the right way. Could hit, could field. He was, he was a role model for me. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Again, at Tim Wallach is Dan on Twitter. I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. You can tweet at us or you can send us an email, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Give us some feedback. Ask for a guest that you'd like to hear from on this podcast. The feature length interviews come back as soon as the season gets started in late September. So all of that still coming along. And of course, if you're listening, first of all, thank you. Give us a like, subscribe, tell your friends about it, get them listening to the OHL podcast as well. Our goal is to be the premier source for you when it comes to OHL information. So along those lines, Dan and I are going to talk on this episode about the players that we think you might want to be keeping an eye on for this upcoming season. I was actually surprised at the number of guys I came up with, but then again, I'm an unapologetic fan of this league and I think there's a lot to like about it so when I went through some rosters I thought you know what maybe this guy maybe that guy I'm not going to give you a full 20 players but we'll get into that uh before we do Dan I wanted to ask you this if can can you conceive of of a possibility like on in any universe this or another one where you're on a road trip with some buddies uh, you're watching hockey, taking in some sporting events, just having a good time. And one of those individuals stopped you midway through the trip and said, I am all beard out. Like, is it possible to have too much beer on a hockey road trip? I'm just curious. I don't know where this idea came from, but I thought I'd throw it out to you. I, you know, it's almost as ridiculous as ordering a salad. I mean, like <laughs> who, who goes to a pub with their buddies and orders a salad like that? I mean, these things don't happen. We know that. We're just hypotheticals here because there's no way this happens. Time and place for everything. And the time and place for a beer or four is when you're away with the buddies, enjoying a weekend, watching some sports. And if you ever try to tell anybody that you're all beard out for that particular day or particular weekend – expect them to remember it for what about 20 years or so is that what we're getting on to here yeah, yeah. I, in my defense i think that when i had spent the whole weekend with uh you clowns i needed something more potent than beer so, so that's my excuse i'm sticking to it <laughs> 
wait a minute. I didn't think it was you that said that. I thought it was the other knucklehead we were with that weekend. You were the one that got beard out. You know what? These things are all hazy. I, I just remember I wasn't the one that, 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 that ordered a salad. I know that much. <laughs> hazy, just like the way I like my IPAs these days. Okay. Uh, before we get into the players that we think you should be keeping an eye on this season, there's one more thing I wanted to touch on, and that is the OHL's officiating combine that just wrapped up in Belleville. Um, I didn't prep you for this ahead of time, but I know you'll have a thought or two. The reason I bring it up is because the, the league has posted about it a little bit, talking about it, showing some pictures of what was going on. And look, take social media at all times with a grain of salt. I get that. We take your tweets with a grain of salt too, by the way. At Tim Wallach is Dan. I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. Chirp, chirp. That's why it's called Twitter. But I, I really think, Dan, that, well, first of all, I don't think the snark is going <laughs> to help anybody as we get into a new season. I'll put it this way and just quickly and bluntly. I like what the league did here with this combine for officials. I know they're trying. They really are. Has, has officiating been perfect? Hell no. I've probably been one of its harshest critics over the years, but you know what? Not one of these guys goes to the rink on any night, whether they're wearing the orange armbands or just the stripes and tries to do a bad job. It's a tough game to officiate. I give the league credit for this combine. I do too. And I just wondering, like, did they turn the lights out to see if they got more calls, right? Or no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's a shot at my officiating friends, but no, it's, it's absolutely a great idea. And, and I'll tell you this, I had the opportunity to umpire a game this summer when we were missing umpires. And I think that that's an exercise that every single living human being who follows sports should have to do. And your chirps towards officials will calm down in an awful hurry. The, the job of officiating at this level of hockey, this level of competition is extremely tough. And for the most part, they, they do a really good job. We'll hear every fan in the league say they're brutal, they're terrible, they're awful. On given nights, they are. There's things that happen, go off the rails, they miss a call or two. But the combine is a great way, not only to, to prep them for what they're going to face, but to actually identify talent and and. For those that might be snickering, there, there's a real talent there to be able to do what you need to do as an official. And the combine helps helps that. And I had a young hockey player that I coached this year actually tell me that he was really looking forward to being a professional referee. And I thought, that's amazing. All these kids talk about pro aspirations all the time. And you kind of roll your eyes and say, you haven't got a chance of playing in the NHL. But you know what? You might have a chance of being in the NHL if you think in the official's route. So Combines are a great thing for that profession. Boy, do I ever love to hear that? Because again, outside looking in, I think this young player that you coached is onto something in a big way here because what a great way to stay in the game. And I just hope to your point before that about how difficult the job is and everybody should do it at some level once to get a better understanding before they go start running their mouths inside an arena or at a ballpark, because I worry a little bit. We're hearing about it across the board in sports, soccer, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you name it. Officials are getting so much verbal abuse and heaven forbid, sometimes physical that they're saying to hell with it. I want no part of this job anymore, but I think it's a great way to stay in the game. Oh, hundred percent. It's, it, it's, you're in that pro atmosphere. It's the top level of your profession. It's a great, it's a great pathway, uh, much more realistic probably too than, than trying to make it as a player. And, 
you know, you could be a, a Garrett rank and play on the PGA in your off season. Like does life get better than that? I mean, no, <laughs> it does not. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a tough gig. And, and I think that's, yeah, the, the underlying point there is they take a lot of abuse, but uh, I think we got to think of that when, when they're coming up through the ranks that uh, nobody's perfect and, and uh, it's not an easy job. So the more we can develop them to do it as well as they can, uh, the better. Dan Kelly, former Kitchener Rangers captain, making his way through the professional officiating ranks now. And when I last ran into him, it was a couple of years ago now, but was absolutely loving it. A lot of time on the road, a lot of hotel time, but a good life for him. And he's working his way, as I said, up through those ranks as a pro official. You make decent money at it, too. Just keep skating, kids. Just keep skating. And in the OHL, we had uh, referee Sean Reed and uh, liney Kevin Hastings, both marking 1,000 game milestones last year which was uh, pretty cool to see and i guess we should also give a shout out to Kristen welsh who became the first female official to work a game in the ohl and of all places to do it she did it in kitchener for uh, a rangers game last season okay uh if we're keeping our eyes on the officials just so we can criticize them fair they get it too let's just remember to try to be a little kinder this year when you look at the league dan who are you identifying as a player this year that you might think is ready to take the next step okay and when i thought about this ahead of time and i i struggle with it because i'm like you i could have identified 100 players i think they're really going to take a step and and in the ohl that can happen you can have 100 yep. guys that really take a significant step so i tried to narrow it down to just a handful and if i'm going to look at so there's really okay i'm going to give you three players if that's okay sure yeah a couple from the east and one from the west and they're not going to be blow you away but uh first from the west and i think this is a player you've mentioned in previous podcasts and it's not gonna shock anyone but that is kobe barlow i think you are looking at uh, an absolute star in the making uh he already leapt off the page last year with with the production so it's not like um genius coming up with this name but what i will say is that I, I don't think people realize how good this kid is and you you saw him playing for team canada over the summer and just a, a constant play driver constant threat i think that's a kid who look out this year because at the age he's at imagine imagine him in two years from now um so look out look out western conference in the east i'm going to throw you two quick names um one of course Similarly, looking at the Team Canada performance over the summers, you got you got to look at Callum Ritchie. Uh, there's a there's a guy who you look at the stars, you look at the Mason McTavishes, and you look at all these players, the Luke Evangelistas, and these players that came up, and you saw, wow, they showed a lot of flashes at 16, 17. What are they going to be at 19? Well, we saw that with Mason McTavish and Evangelista. Callum Ritchie's one that you're gonna you, you saw the uh, the preview. Now get ready for the movie. Um, you're you're gonna see him. And then the last name I'm going to throw at you is, is a little bit more, more daring. And this is going to be slightly biased because you know I'm a Habs fan. But the guy I'm really looking forward to seeing this year is Owen Beck in Mississauga. And the reason I cite him is he came onto my radar pretty heavily in the lead up to the draft where I, I constantly heard scouts describe him as, as smartest two-way player in the draft best on face-offs. I think he was 64% on face-offs. He, he did all these things right. And, all, and the, the question was, how much offensive potential could he unlock? And if you listen to James Richmond talk about him, he talked about 
this guy was a 17 year old. He was putting out against all the top lines, all the hard minutes, all the hard draws, and he was winning those matchups consistently. And if he had given him more offensive opportunities, he thought he could be a, could have been over a point a game last year. Now that he's a, a year older, uh, leading that uh, Mississauga Steelheads team, he's he's the third player that I really look for taking a big step this year. So as the late, great Meatloaf would have once said, uh, two out of three ain't bad. But this is honestly the reason why I like your perspective so much and I value your insight on these podcasts because I didn't even have Owen Beck on my radar, but I know how closely you follow players even before they wind up in the Ontario hockey league. And now again, maybe a bias with a Habs prospect doesn't matter. That's a great analysis of a young player that we're only going to get to see twice this year on our side of the league, because of course Mississauga travels in once and then we'll be in Mississauga once maybe fans will take a little trip when there's an off night in Kitchener where we're, podcasting and broadcasting from and then uh, pop into Mississauga. There's always a seat. Trust me on that one. But uh, to the two out of three, obviously I had Colby Barlow on my list too, but, but I lumped him in and I mentioned this on our previous episode of the podcast. I lumped him in with Gandon and Petrovsky just because that trio was so good. And I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see how it translates into another year, because there's, there's one thing to kind of, jump onto the scene the way all three of the guys did Barlow. You're absolutely right. Head and shoulders above, but then now that guys know, now that teams know what you're all about, how do you, how do you build on that performance from a season ago? So I I'm looking forward to watching all three of them. And I'm going to throw Denny Gore in there as well, just to give a little nod to Dale to gray. Those are four first rounders for the Owen sound attack. That team to me right now looks lethal. So Barlow, certainly the, the best of the bunch, but I'm really keeping an eye on Petrovsky, Gandon, and even Denny Gore in that crop as well. The other guy we obviously agree on, and, and how can you not, especially after what he did uh, this summer at the Halinka, Callum Ritchie is, is a next-level guy, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him this year, and he's, he's going to be playing for Quality Hockey Club in a conference that you know looks like it might be a little bit on the open side this year right after Hamilton takes a bit of a step back I don't know who else is ready to step up in the east but the Oshawa generals are uh, perennial contenders in that conference so really looking forward to watching Callum Ritchie and we talked last week about coaches and you know he's got a new bench boss there with a great NHL pedigree to maybe help along help him along with that development I talked about this guy on our previous podcast because he's coming into his overage year, but I really think Sean McGurn is intriguing. And I know it's kind of weird to talk about uh, a guy to keep an eye on taking a next step when he's an overager, but here's a guy that's undrafted. Here's a guy that plays for Dale Hunter and the London Knights. And he played with such talent last season in Luke Evangelista and Tony Strongest. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what he does all by his lonesome, essentially. I mean, you know he'll be surrounded with more talent, but what is Sean McGurn going to be like when he's basically asked to carry the mail for the London Knights? I think we're going to learn a lot about him this year. Yeah, and you know, I I could not count the number of times over the years following the OHL where I thought a guy was going to struggle once he lost his line mates year over year and completely proved me wrong. And it's just the nature of junior hockey where you have – Players take a huge amount of 
confidence year over year. They, they step forward in basic physicality. They had a lot of muscle, a lot of experience, and then just the confidence of the coaching staff, putting you in those situations, the minutes you're getting. And, and you see players take huge leaps. And that's why I'm, I'm right with you on McGurn. I, I see who he's losing. It's possible you say, well, how's he ever going to repeat what he did? But sometimes these players just come out of the woodwork and they, and they post even higher totals. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Another one I'm going to throw at you that's a little more off paper for me, not quite your Owen Beck, but I'm going to throw Flint's Colson Petrie into the mix here because here's a guy a little bit more under the radar, partly maybe because he was playing in Flint, but third among OHL rookies last year in points per game. I think this guy looks like a stud. He's in his draft year, so there's obviously a, a good reason to put up some numbers this year. The Firebirds had a real nice run. I think Ted Dent gets a ton of credit for that from a season ago. So what does that team even look like this year? This could be a complete flame out. But you know what? I liked what I saw from Petrie last year. Feet are great. He's an excellent skater. He's obviously got a scoring touch and a little bit perhaps underappreciated a season ago. So I'm putting Colson Petrie into my mix as a guy that you should be watching for this year as well. That's a great one. I actually, when I, when I was culling my initial list down, Petrie was on there. Cause he, yeah, it couldn't help but catch your eye, right? We saw a fair bit of Flint last year in the West and uh, guy caught your eye every game. So that's a, that's a great one. And I'm and again, throw actually, I'm going to cheat and throw one more at you just because I feel like our defense crew is underrepresented. And again, this is not going to exactly leap off the page, but got to do another shout out here for Cam Allen, who I expect this year is going to become when we talk about step forward, I, I, I'm talking about step into the elite echelon of this league this year. Um, probably a year, at least a year ahead of when people expected, but I think you're going to be talking about him in the top five or 60 in this league this year. So again, look out at 19, but we have, we have to have some defense content, right? So. You know what? Great call by you. And I'm embarrassed. I didn't even come across him when I was going through this. I should have twigged to him right away because we talked about him on the podcast last week as a rookie. We saw what he did. Then we watch him in international play. And yeah, he's going to be a great call by you. I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least make mention of, because I, I think even casual fans will be aware. And I'm not sure I like this fact, actually. I've, I've complained about it before. But anytime Saginaw goes anywhere this year, fans for the other team will probably know that they've got somebody called an exceptional player on their team. Don't love it. I'd like to see it called early entry, but I've gone over that before. Maybe I'll go over it again some other time. Bottom line is the kid's a special talent, and I think we would be remiss if we talk about players to watch. Not a next step, because it's going to be his first step, but you don't come into this league as a 15-year-old and don't get noticed. Yeah, the, the exceptional, uh, I'm right with you on the labeling, but having said that, and I think it's important to, to remember here, like, cause I see a lot of the fan chatter and the Twitterverse and wherever, where you have, what have you fans seem to think exceptional player means this guy should come in and dominate point a game. Same with the NHL guys drafted in the first couple picks in the draft should come in and dominate. You got to remember they're still kids. And at 15 years old, it is extremely hard to dominate in the OHL. So I'm not set realistic expectations for him look what he's going to be able to achieve. I mean, you saw what Shane Wright was able to achieve at his, uh, his first year in the, in the league. And it's, it's impressive. It, it, there's no doubt about it's impressive at that age. What you're looking for is that progression though, by the time he's 17 or 18. And so we'll be watching him extremely closely this year. 
but I think, yeah, having realistic expectations is appropriate too, because it seems like once you get that label of exceptional player, you have an awful lot of people looking for just ways to pick your game apart and criticize you and say you, you weren't worth the label. So be patient with them. Progression is key here. And frankly, Connor McDavid ruined it for Shane Wright and might ruin it for Michael Misa because Connor McDavid just was otherworldly essentially from the time he stepped on the ice in the Ontario Hockey League but when you said progression of Shane Wright I remembered his rookie year and Mason McTavish was kind of eating his lunch early on granted McTavish a year older but still in the rookie race and then all of a sudden around mid to late November into December Shane Wright kind of figured some stuff out. I don't know what it was, but he went on some kind of monster tear. And I, I still look at um, him falling to fourth in the NHL draft as, as a, the big contributing factor in that, in my opinion, was the lost year. I don't know what it was, if the, if the training was off or something just wasn't there without actual gameplay, but I think that's where Shane Wright lost his step. Yeah, and, and that's partly why I made the point, too, about being patient with Misa, is that I, I think these guys hear the noise, and especially cerebral, maybe a little more sensitive players like Shane Wright. And I think that gets to you over time. You know, you every time you take the ice, you're expected to, to put on a show, and you you're, you know you're hearing the chirps from the other team, and you're hearing the chirps from the crowd, and you're, you're already reading your headlines mid-game. So I think that got to Shane Wright a lot last year. And different players are built differently mentally. Um, but I, I, I think for that exceptional status and a player like me said, one of the things you're looking for too, is how do they adapt to that? And you're right about that light, light switch flipping for Shane Wright partway through that year. And that's understandable. I, I, you come into a league at that age or away from home for the first time, different diet, different instruction, everything's new to you. I don't know how you don't struggle for, for a month or two. And I think that's all we saw, but once that you're looking for that light switch to go off. And I think, the pandemic's the only excuse I can find for why Shane Wright kind of didn't land this year because there's otherwise no excuse why he wouldn't have taken that next step. So we've got Colby Barlow, we've got Callum Ritchie, we've got Owen Beck, we've got Colson Petrie, we've got uh, Cam Allen we threw in there as well. And of course, Michael Misa, uh, the exceptional status player, as players to keep an eye on. There will be others that jump off the page and Jump, get us jumping out of our seats through the season as well, which strikes me, Dan. I can't believe that we are on a Friday headed into the last long weekend of summer with the Labor Day weekend, and there's going to be exhibition hockey around the Ontario Hockey League. The Rangers and Ice Dogs will play uh, a game on a, on Sunday afternoon following the Rangers' annual Fan Fest. We just finished the Air Mutual Global Invitational out in the Village of Air. Four teams from around the world come into tiny little Village of Air in North Dumfries Township to play hockey in late August. We're kind of lucky in these here parts, but it feels a little bit weird with the weather the way it's been to be thinking about being inside a rink again, but I think I'm ready for it. I know I am. And I hear people say things like that. Oh, the weather's still nice. I'm not ready for hockey. Well, I'll tell you this much. I was watching some of the women's tournament this week and I just couldn't believe how satisfying it was to see actual hockey on TV at this stage. So it's the layoff has been uh, painful, especially, you know, I'm a Hab fan, so I didn't have hockey last year. So it's been it's been a year for me. So, Listen, so it's, we need it. I'm a Leafs fan and I haven't had second round of playoffs in almost my entire life. Okay, it's only a quarter of my life because I'm old, but you know what I mean. 
Uh, he is Dan Mahar. <laughs> I'm Mike Farwell. Find Dan on Twitter at Tim Wallach because he's an Expos fan. You can figure out the spelling on your own. I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. This is the OHL podcast. Uh, give us a like, subscribe, tell a friend, and shoot us an email anytime at OHLpodcast at rogers.com. Episodes twice weekly. That means your next one comes up next Tuesday. Dan and I will be back with another episode of the OHL podcast. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.